Hello, and welcome to the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host today, Julie Murphy, and the Hive Poetry Collective is a poetry program that we talk about poems, interview poets, read poems, and talk about all kinds of poetry events going on in Santa Cruz and in the world beyond. So welcome and thanks for joining us. Today I'm going to begin a series that I will do quarterly shows about poetry as healing. Poetry is composed in every known culture right now, all over the world, written or spoken. And today, here in the U.S., poetry is having a true renaissance. So many people are writing and studying poetry. There are so many MFA programs in poetry right now. It's just absolutely wonderful, all of the voices of poetry. It's as if we're all very hungry for the gifts that poetry brings to us. As a licensed marriage and family therapist and as an international trainer for the Hokomi Institute, training mental health professionals in many places, I find that poetry really enhances the psychotherapeutic process. And in teaching a mindfulness-based somatic psychology, Poetry is very powerful in bringing people into their body and into present moment awareness. Many times, poems will spontaneously come to mind in my sessions with clients, and I'll either recite a few lines by memory, or I'll reach over to the bookshelf to grab a book, or I'll ruffle through a stack of papers of my current favorite poems. Just because there is a bridge that poetry offers uh, into the ineffable. When I'm teaching, very often I'll begin and end the day with a poem, both to set a tone or a theme of the day and also to kind of hold the shared experiences that we've had. I want to read a poem to you now, which is a poem by William Stafford. This is one of my favorite poems of all time, but it's also a poem I like to read in the beginning of a day, in a training, especially in the part of the training where the students are learning about the therapeutic relationship and the importance of being present and connecting. And uh, you'll see why when you hear it. It's a poem by William Stafford entitled, Where We Are. The fog in the morning here will make some of the world far away and the near only a hint. But rain will feel its blind progress along the valley, tapping to convert one boulder at a time into a glistening fact. Daylight will love what came. Whatever fits will be welcome. Whatever steps back in the fog will disappear and hardly exist. You hear the river saying a prayer for all that's gone. Far over the valley, there is an island for everything that's left. And our own island will drift there too, unless we hold on, 
unless we tap like this. Friend, are you there? Will you touch when you pass, like the rain? As you can see, that poem, through the imagery of the rain and the fog and the mist and the boulders, tapping to convert one boulder at a time into a glistening fact. We really get the feel for seeing and being seen and receiving and touching. And it's a very right-brained way to actually have the experience of what I want my students to learn rather than just telling them about something. The true power of poetry is that it delivers us an experience. Sometimes I'll begin a lecture with a poem because listening to poetry, its rhythm, its sound, the images and the metaphors begins to shift us into a different frame of mind where we're a little more receptive. And we come out of our daily vexations and into the present moment where we're really ready to pay attention in, dif different, in a different way. Poetry has a way of connecting things that have not been previously connected. The work of images in a poem and metaphor in a poem begins to bring disparate worlds together. And in doing so, it really opens us up to new possibilities. Poems also convey complex ideas in an economy of words, and they express emotions and experiences that really do seem ineffable, that's very hard for the client or the therapist to put into words. The next poem I want to read to you is a poem by Galway Cannell, and this poem is entitled St. Francis and the Sow. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower. For everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness. To put a hand on the brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely. Until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. As St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch blessings of earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curl of the tail. From the hard spininess spiked out from the spine down through the great broken heart to the sheer blue milken dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the fourteen teats into the fourteen mouths sucking and blowing beneath them the long perfect loveliness of sow. One of the things that I love about this poem is just this rich, vivid language about the loveliness of a sow. 
which is something we often think of as an unlovely creature. And this, this poem comes to mind very often in therapeutic contexts because so often people seek out personal growth workshops or therapy because on some level we've lost touch with that butt inside. In some level we've lost our loveliness or our connection to the deeper self and we're confused whether it's because of um, confused relationships in our life or conditioning in our childhood or the stresses of modern times. Uh, very often the process of psychotherapy is the process of coming back into one's genuine but hidden self. And I find this poem does such a beautiful job of conveying those ideas. And you can tell from what I've just said, the poem is actually much more vivid and fresh and accessible than my discussion of it. This is the Hive Poetry Collective here on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and tonight's show is about poetry and healing. And we're just about to introduce our first guests, Rob Fisher and Hu Ting Ting, who are uh, old colleagues of mine from the Hakomi Institute. And I just want you to know that in the coming months, every couple of months or so, I'll record another episode on Poetry is Healing and bring in all kinds of different people in the healing arts about how they integrate poetry in their work to share poems and further the discussion. So tonight's just the beginning. Welcome back to the Hive Poetry Collective here on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and I'm delighted to introduce to you and welcome tonight's guests, Rob Fisher and Hu Ting Ting. Thanks, Julie. Thank you, Julie. Nice to be here and see you. It's really great to have you here. Rob Fisher, licensed marriage and family therapist, is the author of Experiential Psychotherapy with Couples, a guide for the creative pragmatist and of a number of book chapters and articles on couples therapy and the psychodynamic use of mindfulness. These are in publications such as the Psychotherapy Networker, The Therapist, The Journal of Couples Therapy, and the USA Body Psychotherapy Journal. An advocate of the use of mindfulness in psychotherapy, he is an adjunct professor at JFK University. As the co-developer of the Mindfulness and Compassion in Psychotherapy Certificate Program at CIIS, he has brought together many of the most prominent leaders in the realms of mindfulness and psychotherapy. Teaching internationally, he is a Hakomi Mindfulness-based Experiential Psychotherapy Trainer and a Director of the Hakomi Institute of California and the Hakomi Institute of China. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. Hu Ting Ting, master's degree, is a mindfulness-based stress reduction qualified teacher from Beijing, China. She is a co-founder of Teach for China, a nonprofit organization in China. 
She consults with corporations in mindfulness programming and maintains a practice seeing individuals in mindfulness coaching as well. Ting Ting has an online course of poetry and mindfulness with 6,000 listeners in China. Welcome, Ting Ting. Thank you, Julia. It's uh, really great to have you as my first guest in this series. Listener Rob and I are longtime colleagues of the Hakomi Institute, and we have spent many lunch hours and dinners laying each other low with poetry <laughs> and uh, sharing poems that we used to teach with. So it's great fun to have you. And uh, Ting Ting, <clears throat> I met when I was teaching in Beijing, actually, you organized a workshop there and uh, we enjoyed a lot of poetry as well in that course. So it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, Rob, I thought we might just jump in with the poem that you wrote, If You Forget. And maybe you could read that poem and then let's talk about it a bit. Okay, I'm happy to do it. I, I hope I remember it. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So this poem is entitled, If You Forget. If you forget how beautiful you are, I will remember. I'll remember your barefoot connection to the earth, the risks you have taken, and the compassion in your heart. I'll remember the courage of your questions and the tiny wrinkles that make your bright and shining eyes so welcoming. I'll remember how you shine in your enthusiasm, your delicate embarrassment, the passion and serious intensity behind your words. If you forget, come with me. There's a path I know high up on the mountain and deep in the core of the rich black earth where we can drink together from the pool of your tears and listen as the mountains echo with the sound of your laughter. If you forget, I will taste one more time the deep, dark sweetness of your soul, that wonderful essence that belongs only to you. If you're tired, come rest in the warmth of my hands, and I will whisper stories of your greatness in your ears. Oh, how I'm intoxicated by the flavors of your soul. Beautiful. That was Rob Fisher reading his poem, If You Forget, here on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM on the Hive Poetry Collective. What a beautiful poem, Rob. Thank you. Um, there's a lot of things that I would like to say about it, but I think it would be wonderful for our listeners to hear a little bit about how this poem came to be. Like what, what inspired you to write it? I, I was teaching a class at JFK University at night, and it was the second class I was teaching as a professor. And after each class, I would go to the office of the director of this particular graduate program. And she and I would sit and talk for about half an hour about how much we loved the students. And this would happen every week. It was like one of the, 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 the great things about teaching there at that point. And we had a deep connection ourselves. And so I was driving home and I was thinking about the students there. And, um, and so I composed this entirely while driving. And then I sat in my driveway and transcribed it when I got home. So it, um, it was one of those inspired moments. And uh, I did a little bit of editing afterwards, but not much. Um, but also, I, I, 
you know, over time, I found that it really distills my own sense of what healing is about and the healing relationship. Great. Well, one of the things that strikes me about this poem is the the nice play and the repetition that that you have with the the lines if you forget and i will remember mm -hmm. and how those lines kind of alternate in the different stanzas of the poem and each time they deepen mm -hmm. you know that they they deepen in their in their and also they deepen in their lyric quality so that when you get to the the middle of the poem there's that that turn where you address the reader, you address the listener, come with me. Mm -hmm. You give us a command. Uh -huh. So it goes from the conditional, if you forget, and uh, some declarative statements to this command, come with me. And it, it really makes us pay attention at that mm -hmm. moment of the poem. And then what follows, there is a path I know high up in the mountain. And then the lines that follow are this beautiful, rich, lyric, descriptive, imaginal place of a pool of tears and the sound of laughter and the mountain's echo and the rich black earth. And the poem is very much alive, very, you know, very embodied and very present and very much of the earth in that. And it makes the poem so rich and believable. And, and then the poem returns to, if you forget, I will taste, if you are tired. And so it changes, that makes that little change. We're used to that pattern, if you forget. And now it says, if you are tired, come rest. And another more gentle command mm -hmm. that follows. And then your last line, oh, how I am intoxicated by the flavors of your soul. It's very Rumi-esque. And I think you get away with that line because of the tone and the repetition and the rhythm in the poem and that rich stanza up on the mountain. Um, you know, it's actually, the influence there was uh, the 14th century Bengali poet saints. Ah. Who always had this tagline at the end of some yeah. sort like that. Yeah. Um, which uh, I just love. And um, so that was, that was, you're right about the spiritual influence there. Yeah. Yeah. The wrong moment in time, but it, it's also, you know, that movement of going to the very broad out of the, out of the human relationship into this much grander, hmm. ephemeral, eternal, spiritual relationship is, um, it's really lovely there. It really opens the poem up. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I could get away with that one or not. I, I think you do. I think you do. Um, I know it's always such a bold move to make a leap like that in a poem. Um, so I get curious in, in terms of like a poem like this and Ting Ting jump in in the conversation too, because I know you bring poetry into your mindfulness uh, sessions. Mm -hmm. like how, let's talk a little bit about how you might introduce this poem to a client or you know how how you might share this with a client well i think by way of introduction to that 
the first two lines really distill what I think true psychotherapy is about and perhaps true poetry. Yeah. You forget how beautiful you are, I will remember. People forget. Yeah. You know, and all of our clients come to us because they've forgotten how beautiful they are. Yeah. And they've, they're looking in these distorted mirrors that have been um, engendered by their parents and their social relationships and the world at large and their disconnection with nature and their disconnection with their genders. And, and we're living in this difficult situation. And so it's the central issue. And then my relationship with people, whether it's an individual psychotherapy or it's a teaching, really is to remember and to yeah. enter into a relationship, to enter into a connection with them um, where I remember and they can see me remembering. Yeah. They're looking into a different, a different lens. And so if somebody's, I mean, in the very prosaic, on a very prosaic level, then if somebody is talking about issues of self-worth, then this may be an appropriate poem to be able to um, present to them. And I have, a, I have a stack of poems. It's, I keep it in my, I have a piano in my office. You've seen my office. Yeah. Um, I have a piano in my office and because I had this idea that I could write, compose piano music for each client that would somehow do the same thing in musical form. Yes. And um, the, 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 the stack of poetry actually has filled the, the piano bench there. Yes. You know, so the, the the top is having trouble like closing. Yes. Um, so I have that many, and so I'll go to the, you know if we're in the middle of session and something strikes me, oh, this is a perfect moment for that poem. Yeah. Um, then I'll go to the piano bench, open it up, pull out this oversized folder, and like spend too much time sorting through it. I'm trying to find the right poem, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, sometimes this one will come out, sometimes other other ones will come out. Yeah, I, I have that same experience. And when I went to kind of prepare for uh, this program, and I earlier read the poem St. Francis in the Sow, which mm. has that same message yeah. right, exactly. of remembering your loveliness. Yes. Um, so it's very apropos. But I, I pulled out my file of what I, you might file of therapeutic, you know, quote, therapeutic poems. Um, which are my favorite teaching poems and client poems. And it's six inches deep. Wow. <laughs> and, and that doesn't speak to the ones that I have, I don't have printed out, but I have in, you know, my stacks of poetry books. So there is no shortage of inspiration. Yeah. Um, and Great poems enough. that can kind of come into that moment. Also, so, for, yeah. also for me, I have uh, listened to this poem many, many times. And I think it's a very important reminder, like uh, uh, from the healer's eyes, uh, whatever psychotherapist or other kind of therapist, like the how it's a remind also reminding ourselves, like the preciousness and the uniqueness of each person sitting in front of us. Um, yeah, I just yeah, I was touched by by this poem many times. Mm. And I translated into Chinese and shared with my clients too. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. If you're just tuning in, this is the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy. And today we are speaking with Rob Fisher and Hu Tingting about Poetry is Healing. 
Well, maybe we can hear another poem. Ting Ting, you also brought a poem that you wrote, did you not? That's right. It's originally written in Mandarin. And thanks to Rob, he helped me translate into English. So today, maybe I will read the English yes, please. The name of the poem is She is Here. After returning from India, I talk even less. Occasionally, I'm a listener of humans. But most of the time, however, I am a listener of nature. Between sky and ocean, heaven and earth, among forests, listening to the clouds crack open and the sun emerges, listening to the waves and the wind as they weave their song together, streams bubbling joyfully, the croaking of frogs hidden in the grass, loud, then silent. Sometimes I need a cup of bitter tea to convince myself to make human sounds. I walk lightly, carefully, step by step, making my heart little, so as not to disturb what is around me. Even a tiny bit of effort will cut a huge gash in the fullness and the harmony of the silence. If I follow the flow of the river of life, I don't need to know how to swim. I am waiting, waiting in the opening between the sounds, hot with human words. I drink the water from the ice-cold spring. Piercingly, or cold and sweet, I am bathed in honey. I'm guarding the silence, stillness from ancient times, trying to reassemble the universe before humans. She is here. I open my laptop even before I enter my password. Her fingers, tender plants springing from the earth, gently guide my hands from the keyboard. I place my teaching materials in front of me. She jiggles and show me the mooring jewel forming on the grass below and the fog dancing on the mountain above. I open my notebook, take out my pen, trying to write some stories. She put her finger on her lips making a sound like wind through pine trees. She closes her, her eyes, crosses her legs, and sits still in front of me. So you mean I need not do anything, need not say anything? You mean I need not, not teaching anymore, not read anymore? Even the effort of trying hard to not try hard? I look at her in shock. No words form in my open mouth. She sees into my soul, sees where I am from, sees where I am going, bowing down at her feet. I wait for her to tie the string tightly between silence and my heart.
Beautiful, beautiful. Listeners, that was Hu Ting Ting reading a poem, She Is Here, on the High Poetry Collective here on KSQD 90.7 FM. What a beautiful poem, Ting Ting. I Thank love you. how the poem begins so quietly and innocently uh, in a story. It's a nice narrative. After returning from India, I talk even less. And we're interested right away. And there's such beautiful nature in this poem, the croaking of frogs, the sky and heaven and earth and the forests. It's very quiet. It takes the listener in a very quiet place. And the translation, Rob, is very strong. The rhythm and sound in the translation is working really nicely to uh, support the effect, to enact the effect of what the speaker is saying. And there's so many wisdom statements in this poem. Like, if I follow the flow of the river of life, I don't need to know how to swim. It makes me really want to listen to this speaker because it, it startles me. It really, you know, I want to think about that for a while. I want to revisit those lines in the poem. And there's such nice details, piercingly cold and sweet, I am bathed in honey. So it's a very luscious in that way. And then there's this amazing personification in the whole rest of the poem of the universe. She is here. She's speaking to this, you know, to the eye of the poem. And there's this great narration of this interaction of this speaker who's trying to get her work done on her laptop and trying to read and trying to write. And then the universe, you know, because she puts her finger on her lips, making a sound like wind through pine trees. She closes her eyes, crosses her legs, and sits still in front of me. That's just really wonderful. And then I, I love the end of the poem, bowing down at her feet. I wait for her to tie the string tightly between silence and my heart. And that's just a, a beautiful, another movement into the lyric, you know, that steps out of the narration then and into this much broader sphere. It's just lovely. You're listening to the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD, Santa Cruz, 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and you can find the Hive Poetry Collective on Facebook, the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD, or at our website, hivepoetry.org. We're also on Twitter, at Hive Poetry, and you can find our podcasts of previously aired programs on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. So please subscribe, stop by Facebook, and leave some comments if you enjoy the show. Welcome back. We are the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and tonight we're talking about Poetry is Healing with Rob Fisher and Hu Ting Ting. And Ting Ting has just read her poem, She is Here, and we've been discussing it. The last part of the poem is actually from Asian Chinese tradition. 
like uh, if a um, couple or the romance, um, there is some God who wants to form the intimate relationship between a couple. So the God will string, uh, will you tie the string, the red string between the two oh. from there. Oh, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. <laughs> this is another layer of meaning that comes with that uh, in the yeah. Chinese language. That's great. That's beautiful. And a poem like this, like what, how, how do you work with this poem in your work? Do you, would you read this to clients or? So usually what I do is because I have a platform, I, I, I will share all my writings um, with um, clients, with students in China and with audience in China. So when I work with uh, clients individually, sometimes when they, I find the same theme, I will share this poem with, with, with them. If it's not too long, I will ask them to read. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One interesting thing about both your poem and my poem is their reliance on nature. <laughs> it's a big resource for us. It's a big resource. Both of us are, could probably be considered ecotherapy um, proponents where the healing power of nature and the healing power of poetry really go well together. That's right. And we and could probably call this eco-poetry. Because eco poetry very cool. In, yeah. in nature. And mm -hmm. in, in one of our workshops, we do a mindfulness and nature workshop together. And we have people write, um, we, we started by trying to have them write haikus about nature and, um, and how it touched them, how it goes in, into them. And then we realized that the form of haiku was too difficult for people. So we just had, <laughs> had them do more free form. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, there's always that tension between the uh, constraints of the form, which sometimes really helps, helps us write good poems by being constrained in a way. And sometimes the constraint might be just a little too much and the writing just needs to come forward. Right. And the funny thing is uh, my, our eco-therapy um, workshop, the students are from China. So it's like uh, Rob will speak English and we will teach Chinese people about haiku. <laughs> it's very international, very interesting. Right. <laughs> well, I, well, I know when I was um, teaching in Beijing and especially teaching Hakomi, which is mindfulness-based and based on certain Taoist principles, I felt like I was bringing something back home that was of China and bringing it back home to, to you know, to, to, to where it came into being. And in sharing poetry there, both Chinese poetry that had been translated into English and English poetry that I, I think some of the students and maybe even you Ting Ting had translated some of what I read or some of what I spoke uh, mm -hmm. while, while I was teaching there. That even when you don't understand the content of the poem, that the sound of the words and the rhythm of the words and the energy of the human voice conveying it is conveying a powerful message. 
Yeah, definitely, I agree with you. It's not just like、uh, through the brain, you know, the meaning,、right. the content. It's like poem, just so magical. It's just a.、Uh, it can goes to people's heart so directly. Sometimes I feel like it's using the words, but actually it's beyond the words. Yeah, I, I agree. There, there's something in the way that、uh, a poem is such an intentional use of language that、uh, you know a, a well-crafted poem. It, it's such compressed language that there's no wasted words, there's no diluted words, that the imagery really jumps out and does its work, and just the reading of the poem. And I remember the, the poet Frank Gaspar saying once that you know re- reading poetry out loud really gets the bellows going because you have to breathe and you have to speak, and it ignites. Our hearts and our minds, and it come, brings our entire being alive into attention, and that that's the power power of poetry. And it doesn't need to be poetry that's in traditional verse and rhyming with a specific meter. You know,、um, modern poetry, ancient poetry of any tradition does the same thing because the human voice is conveying that. There's formal poetry, like reading a client. A poem, and there's also informal poetry,、yes. which is speaking to them in poetry, in a spontaneous and prompt fashion. And that doesn't mean actually writing a poem, but it means using poetic language. And I think using poetic language in therapy is uniquely healing, and honors and dignifies people's experience in a way they've never experienced before. An image or a metaphor carries so much more information. Than more cognitive language, yeah. So that when we're, you know, when we're listening to a client, and we're really receiving the person and resonating with the person, and our response is a metaphorical response,、mm-hmm. you, you know, like something like, "Yeah, you you share that with me, and I see Joan of Arc standing before me,"、mm-hmm. which is, you know.、Uh, Or I, I I hear your voice and it's like a flock of birds lifting up into the、oh. bright sky. You know when we when we speak in that kind of metaphorical、um, terms, my experience is that the client a client will feel much more seen、right. and much more appreciated、um, than saying something like, "Oh yeah, you really lighten up with that." <laughs> Right. right. Yeah, I, the blossoming of your heart is、exactly. different. From, you know, I can see you lightening up with that.、Mm-hmm. And and I think about in all our Hakomi trainings, you know, there's a certain point of when you're teaching a student how to listen, how how to receive the person. You don't want to just hang on to the content and try and grab all the details. But as Fritz Perls said. You know, I am the bullseye. The arrow hits every time. You want to receive the person and 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 be touched. And yeah, ask yourself, what's the metaphor that goes with this? What's this like? And use that kind of language in response, and it creates quite an intimacy. In the same way that, you know, reading a poem, you know, in the quiet of my study, 
I can read a poem that was written centuries ago and be moved to tears and feel so close to the speaker's experience. Yeah. And also, you know, clients often speak in poetry. Absolutely. They don't realize it. And, you know, I, like every once in a while, somebody be talking, I'll think, I'll say, oh my God, I can't believe you just said those words. You put those words together. Like, you know, and then I'll repeat the phrase back to them. And they don't even know they're saying it, but it's so beautifully crafted poetic phrase. And they don't know that they're talking. It's, it goes back to kind of, if you forget, I'll remember. And part of our job is catching those, those statements that are beautiful or descriptive or go into this depth, you know, that is like the, you know, like watching a, a flower blossom. Yeah. Then um, calling their attention to that. And I actually, I, I should keep a list of these things because they're so, uh, the, I, I do write a lot of them down, but I don't keep them yeah. in any separate place. But it's, it's so touching. You know, it's, every once in a while, a client will say something and I'll say, wow, that is a great title for your autobiography, you know, or here's a great chapter title, you know, this, so this chapter is about what you just yeah. said, you know, and it, it captures this, it distills something. I'm so glad you pointed out, Rob. I also, I feel like um, when you um, remind the clients about that, it's actually mm -hmm. reconnect them with the cre creativity, mm -hmm. uh, the creative yeah. energy. It's like uh, some of the clients, they will speak in poetry. Some of them will speak with so beautiful images. That's and right. they may not be aware of that. But uh, once you point it out and let them that those image or po poetry like um, come to the surface level of the consciousness, they will be touched. Um, I have some uh, experience of that too. Like some clients, they go, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> they feel deep connected with their yeah. creativity. Yeah, yeah. Listeners, this is KSQD, Santa Cruz 90.7 FM, and this is the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we're talking today with Rob Fisher and Hu Ting Ting about poetry as healing. Well, let's read some more poems. I think, Rob, you brought an Ellen Bass poem, didn't you? I did. Ellen Bass is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite poets. <laughs> I use her a lot in teaching. So maybe I'll go. Mine too, and I'm lucky to get to work with her no, regularly. I can't believe you have jealous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to make you feel bad, but I I treasure Ellen Bass as does our entire community here in Santa Cruz. Yeah, she's really quite something, and she has so many wonderful poems. So this one is called "If You Knew" by Ellen Bass. What if you knew you'd be the last to touch someone? If you were taking tickets, for example, at the theater, tearing them, giving back the ragged stubs, you might take care to touch that palm. Brush your fingertips along the lifeline's crease. When a man pulls his wheeled suitcase too slowly through the airport, when the car in front of me doesn't signal, when the clerk at the pharmacy won't say, thank you, I don't remember they're gonna die. A friend told me that she'd been with her aunt. They just had lunch, and the waiter, a young gay man with plum black eyes, joked as he as he served her the coffee, kissed her aunt's powdered cheek when they left. Then they walked half a block, and her aunt dropped dead on sidewalk. 
How close does the dragon's spume have to come? How wide does the crack in heaven have to split? What would people look like if we could see them as they are, soaked in honey, stung and swollen, reckless, pinned against time? Thank you. That was Rob Fisher reading Ellen Bass's poem, If You Knew, here on the Hive Poetry Collective, KSQD, Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. This is one of my favorite of Ellen's poems. Hmm. And I, I think, you know, this poem just shows so many of Ellen's strengths, what amazing ordinary details she has in the poem. So the poem is incredibly vivid, you know, just taking tickets, you know, puts us all right there in the scene. And <clears throat> this poem also has that little interjection of that story a friend told me. And now we're listening into this intimate moment in the story and it brings in the power of the narrative story uh, in that stanza of the poem and also the plum black eyes of the waiter. Mm -hmm. It's very vivid and very alive and the ant's powdered cheek. We can almost smell that powder mm -hmm. um, from our own auntie's cheeks. And, and then that sudden movement in the poem, her aunt dropped dead on the sidewalk and we're stunned. And then that next turn in the last stanza, how close does the dragon's spume have to come? And there's that metaphorical language right there that brings the poem even deeper. Anything you wanna say about how you might use this poem in a workshop or while you're teaching? Because we really haven't touched on that too much yet. I've, I've used this one quite a lot. I, I quite like incorporating poetry in teaching because it goes in in a deep and emotional way for people. And this one, often I've used towards the end of a training where I'm teaching how to listen to people and the internal state of the psychotherapist or the mm -hmm. healer and what does that take and and the qualities we're i'm trying to teach are being grateful for the beauty of this person in front of you mm -hmm. and and being nourished by it and one doorway into that gratefulness is impermanence yes and that's not going to last this person's not going to be around forever um, there's a, we have a neighbor here who's a doctor, a medical doctor in her eighties. She's dying of uh, stage four cancer and, and we greet each other on the road and she often stops the car. You know, she, we live on a dirt road. So she stops the car and we talk and, and she's come over for, for dinner here. And, and I know that we're going to have just a couple more interactions and that makes it so precious you know, our presence. And she's a particularly incredible person. I remember we would decide, we would decide whether we should invite her for the cakes, the afternoon tea this Thursday or next Thursday, because we don't know how long she will, she will be alive. Mm 
mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so we decide to um, have it as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, this poem really points out that urgency. It does. You know, for all of us. Right. And so if, as a healer, if I have that sense of, of, of urgency and transitoriness, then it allows me to really appreciate the moment with this person in a deep way and to appreciate who they are. And so the way I'll often use this is I'll get people mindful, ask them to become mindful. I listen to have, I read the poem, they listen. And then I have them get up and walk around the room silently. Sometimes I use music too. Mm-hmm. And stop in front of different people. And then I might read a line from the poem. Mm-hmm. What if you knew this would be the, the last time to touch this person? Um, you know, what would you do differently? What would you, and I don't even have them say anything. It's all silence. It's all in silence. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to them? What would you do differently? How would you touch them? Mm-hmm. And then I have them thank each other non-verbally in some way. Or bow to each other. They could bow, you know, they could, uh, they could smile. They could put their hand on their heart. They could hug them, whatever they want. They could just look at them in mm-hmm. silence and then go on to somebody else and repeat this with, several rounds after which most there uh, there's a big run on the mm. kleenex uh boxes <laughs> <laughs> can, can i also share a story of this poem oh please yeah <clears throat> so i write uh, some articles about impermanence and the preciousness and i remember i also translate this poem into chinese you know, with the uh, with some teaching from Ajahn Chah, the, the Buddhism mm-hmm. uh, monk. And he also shared something about, it's, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's like, when I'm holding this beautiful uh, glass uh, cup, I know that it's already broken. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting, after I um, published that um, article, and not very, uh, so, uh, very soon I received uh, some um, message from one of my client. And she said, Ting Ting, this morning I read your article. And, I, and then in the noontime, I had a big fight with my father. And then he just uh, like ran away and closed the door and uh, shut the door. And then I suddenly remembered the poem in your article. So I opened the door and I, I try to um, catch up with my father and I hold his hands and let him um, not be too mad at me. So I th- he, she is saying, thank you for the poem. It gave me the courage yeah. to, to comfort my father as soon as I could. That's a, a beautiful story. I think that's, really part of the power of poetry. And and this poem in particular, you know, really asking about that touch, about that human touch. What if you're the last person to touch? Mm -hmm. And it really brings in the power of really being in contact. And I think that's, you know, one of the ways that poetry has really affected me is how suddenly certain lines of poetry will just come to mind in a particular moment. You're listening to the Hive Poetry Collective here in KSQD, 
Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we've been talking with Rob Fisher and Hu Ting Ting about poetry is healing. So before we end the show, I want to ask you one last question, which is, what are you currently doing with poetry? Well, Ting Ting and I are very competitive. <laughs> so we have poetry competitions. And we haven't done this in, since we moved, but we, for a long time, we would take a walk and we would stop in the middle of the walk and we would have, what was it, five minutes? Yeah. To write, each have five minutes to write a poem. At the end of the five minutes, we would then read each other our poems that we wrote. So it was just a five minute time limit, the best you can do in five minutes. And then? And then we need to find a person who passed by us and read the poem to that uh, stranger and let the stranger tell us which one is better. <laughs> <laughs> so the one who lose the competition need to wash the laundry, wash the dishes. <laughs> Make it very practical. Yeah. Very practical. <laughs> and it was an interesting experience for these strangers. We'd find some stranger, you know, in a park and uh -huh. say, and we'd tell them when they need to decide. Some people were just frozen, you know, and other people really rose to the occasion and said, well, I like this one better because of X or this one better because of Y. And um, we met one stranger. She, <laughs> since we uh, saw her quite a lot in that park. And she even asked us, oh, Ting Ting, I still remember the uh, previous poem you you write. Can you share with me that one again? <laughs> so it's very oh, nice. The poetry would insert itself into their lives yeah. um, in this kind of unusual way. Well, that's a great story because like all of the arts, like music and poetry and dance, they didn't be used to be such elevated away from daily life. They were part of daily life. And mm. what a wonderful way to bring poetry into community and into daily life, which is to take five minutes, write a little something and share it with a passerby. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that's, that's wonderful. It's a great little story. Thank you for that. Thank you, Julie. We have just another minute or so. So I really wanna thank both of you for joining us uh, this evening. It's been such a great conversation and wonderful poems to share that you've shared. And Ting Ting, I was wondering if you would share the Chinese poem that you brought. And if you would, um, you told me earlier that you had, you know it by heart. So maybe you could recite it to us in Chinese and then in English. That would be a wonderful way to end this evening. Sounds great. I would love to. So this poem, uh, English name is Hundreds of Spring Flowers. Um, so I will, um, I, I remember it because it's a very um, popular poem. So I will speak, I will um, memorize in uh, Chinese first. Chun you bai hua. 春有百花,秋有月,夏有凉风,冬有雪。若无闲事挂心头,便是人间好时节。
So in English, this poem, the translation is as below. With the autumn moon, hundreds of spring flowers, the winter snow, and the breezy summer air. If in your heart there is not a single care, any season will be the finest hours. Beautiful, just beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll be able to return again. Thanks, Julie. Thank you, Julie. This has been the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm your host, Julie Murphy, and we've been talking about Poetry is Healing with Rob Fisher and Hu Ting Ting here on KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find The Hive Poetry on Facebook, The Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD, or look for our website, hivepoetry.org. Twitter, we're at Hive Poetry, and you can find our podcasts and download them from Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Please subscribe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Be for the honey, be, be for the, yeah. be for the honey, be, be for the, mm-hmm.